0: I'm Jennifer Isabella and I'm Laura Ketzel, your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today we're joined by VP and Senior Research Director, Matt Garini and VP Principal Analyst Thomas Husson to discuss the current and future state of CIO CMO collaboration. Welcome both.
1: Thanks for having us. Hello, everyone. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: So I feel like this topic we've talked a lot about this topic over the years. So I would love to know why are we talking about this now and has there been any significant changes over the past 2 to 5 years that is sort of bubbling this up again.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll start off here. Um, you know, I think uh, you know, as we look at technology, um Everything that Forrester does around technology is always underpinned by the concept of customer obsession. How do we build technology that delivers great customer experiences? And for too long, technology has been a bit of a silo. Um, What parts of the company do you hear people talk about IT like it's a separate company? It's IT, and then the business, this this thing that creates value. But IT is never part of that. And and as we've looked and over the years, what we've really been pushing is how do you use technology to deliver on that customer obsession? And a big part of that is having customer as the the, the north star for how you deliver value. And so at this moment in time that we're at, you know, with everything we've experienced over the the, the past few years, from the pandemic to some of the economic headwinds that we face right now, it's more important than ever that you can marry the technology and the customer and make sure that that technology is really what you need that's able to create real differentiation and help your company win in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with this. And to your point, Jennifer, uh, this is not really a new issue. We've been discussing this for quite some time. And it's it's actually a paradox because, at the end of the day, we have proof points that a strong collaboration delivers strong business benefits and is really effective. However, there's still a, a cultural and communication gap between CMOs and CIOs and their respective teams. Uh, just you know, a, a language issue as well. If I say "DR" for you know a marketer, it may mean direct response. And for someone in the IT organization, it may mean disaster recovery, which, you know, tells a lot about the gap that we're discussing here. That said, uh, and we'll probably come to that later, where data shows that uh, the pandemic has forced um, CMOs and CIOs to work together. And there's definitely been a significant improvement over the past two years.
3: So let's dig into that for a second, because I think for all of the CMOs and CIOs listening, saying, "Hmm, I really could do with a better relationship with that other person over there," but. A, I'm not necessarily sure what kind of business returns I should be expecting that to deliver. So what expectations should I set with my stakeholders and how do I convince that other person to work with me? So like, what are the business benefits that you all have seen in the research that you have done that are CMOs and CIOs who maybe were forced together by the pandemic? Like you said, Tama? what have they actually achieved?
1: Um. Well, I'll start on this one. I think it's it's about um, at the end of the day, taking a more customer centric perspective. It's about improving the end to end customer journey. And CMOs and marketers tend to focus more on the front end and tend to forget about the importance of you know what's happening behind the scenes to make this a great experience. Anything with logistics and supply change and, you know, sort of the black box that operates uh, the marketing. So at the end of the day, the business, the, the, the most obvious business benefits is a better customer experience, but uh, a, a tighter collaboration also uh, enables a better time to market and a lot more uh, agility in answering customer needs. So these are the two most uh, obvious benefits and in the companies where we've seen greater collaboration, uh, I mean, the business results are are here. Um, if I look at the likes of Nike, for example, and how they operate their uh, you know direct to consumer business, they've been growing massively over the past few years, and it's uh, also a sign of a strong marketing and IT collaboration.
2: Yeah, and I would add one thing. Um, I think there's a you know when you look at it, there's there's always the business benefits, but I think also from a you know, an internal company benefit, and then the leader themselves. Um, Interestingly, when you look at the C-suite, you would think that CIOs and CMOs would be in positions of power, but in a lot of cases, they're not always at that same level as the CFO, the COO, the heads of business, you know, general managers, things like that. And, you know, that partnership, though, and using that partnership to show how you're going to be a major part of the growth agenda um, becomes very compelling, and you know it, it, it wears well when when leadership teams are looking at you know for, for that next generation of leaders. And and we are starting to see uh, you know more CIOs assuming business roles. We're starting to see CIOs adopt more of the revenue agenda and things like that. And the only way that you're going to be successful if you do that though is if you get that connection with with your with your CMO. So still early days, but it's it's a it's a great trend if you can jump on the train.
0: Tamal, you just mentioned Nike as an example. Are there are there other um, examples that we wanna point to where we've really seen CMOs and CIOs step up in, in collaborating to deliver business results and better customer experiences?
1: That's a good question because in the research we did, we've interviewed a bunch of CMOs and CIOs and it's interesting when you interview them separately, you don't always get the same perspective and so they would tend to say that the collaboration is effective, but uh, when we survey them from a quantitative perspective, only a quarter of them told us that the collaboration is effective. And it may be a good individual relationship, but it doesn't necessarily cascade, uh, you know, down to their respective teams, which obviously makes things a bit tougher. Um, And uh, actually, examples are relatively scarce. Uh, That said, uh, we came across with uh, my colleague Pascal Matske, uh, an interesting example with Adidas, uh, the German sports manufacturer. And McDonald's, as well, in the way they have uh, implemented a, a, a new form of governance to roll out uh, remote order uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, they've launched this internationally, and there was a very strong formal uh, and informal uh, relationship uh, between the marketing and IT teams.
0: So, knowing that the pandemic was a seemingly a forcing function, what other are, are there any other sort of underlying pressures or trends that are driving this partnership forward, um, that you're seeing as you talk to clients or, you know, as part of this research?
2: Yeah, I, I think the, the, the thing that I would highlight here is, you know, I, I did talk about the customer, but there, there's another dimension to this too, around, um, we are facing more uncertainty. It feels like every year than the year before. And so, um, knowing what you're, customers going to want knowing how other companies are going to respond um, knowing where new competition is going to come from um, it's just just massive amount of uncertainty and so the ability to um, stay ahead of that and to, to be able to adapt is, is absolutely critical and you need it at the corporate level right so you know that, that again this ability to think about how do you have great insights, about your customers and the journeys that they're on and how do you have them where they're predictive um, becomes absolutely critical because if you're in a reactive mode, you won't be able to win. So so, so part one of this is how do you stay ahead of the game? How do you identify where the opportunities are or the threats may exist? And then the second part of that is, okay, now that we know that, then how are we going to quickly seize the opportunity um, or respond to the threat? And that's where the partnership Uh, Becomes absolutely critical. And and so what we're starting to see uh, more of is, you know, crossing of the lines between where the traditional resources may sit and where the traditional work may occur. Um, You know, a lot of times from a technology perspective, you know, we're starting to see more and more of the capability pushed out to the business. Um, and that can be into the marketing group. A lot of times it'll go into product lines and things like that. Um, it's, you know, you'll still have the foundational elements, but you're pushing more and more of that out so that those teams have a much greater appreciation of what customers want and what customers need. And so I think that's what you're starting to see is that, you know, that gives you that ability to be much more, um, adaptive uh, and, and much more able to respond. And, and, and that response comes by moving people, moving capital and moving technology, to be able to seize that opportunity. So I think. You know, as we look forward, if you're, if you're really thinking about, you know, especially in the times that we're in right now, you need to have this really this, this agility where you can quickly respond. And if it's only one part of the organization, again, it's not going to be successful. So this ability to marry the customer, that end-to-end experience um, that, that Thomas was talking about, and then use the technology to then drive some of that true differentiation in the experience um, becomes very important.
1: And I think there are a couple of drivers as well that are going to accelerate this convergence between marketing and IT, um, especially if, I mean, we've talked a bit about the pandemic, but at the end of the day, uh, it has open opportunities in terms of hybrid commerce experiences. Uh, you know, the fact that the lines between offline and online are getting blurry, and that's a good opportunity to start rethinking the collaboration because at the end of the day, Uh, marketers and tech people have to think more holistically about the end-to-end customer journey, understand the impact of operations on, you know, back office processes on the customer experience. And so that's definitely an area where uh, we see a lot more traction because it's about giving more options to consumers so that they can choose from uh, getting access in real time on, uh, you know, the availability of products, whether they're in the store, whether they're ordering from home, wherever they are, has a big impact at the end of the day. And it's this, uh, you know, online and offline uh, kind of uh, hybrid commerce experiences. Um, so that's that's one area, uh, at least one of the key drivers of this new collaboration. We've we've identified a couple of others and. and one that I think is really key for marketers is the notion of, uh, you know, the data deprecation and the fact that we're entering a cookie-less world. So we see quite a key issue for marketers uh, collecting the right data, being able to understand their customers. It's, it's, it's getting a lot more challenging these days. Um, and, and so uh, a very strong collaboration on how to build the right MarTech stack uh, is, is definitely something that is, uh, I think, uh, a new opportunity for collaboration, given the context of the, the cookie less world we're entering.
2: Yeah, the commerce side is, is taking on more and more of uh, importance all the time in, in the work that we're doing. And I think part of it, toma is that, you know, that realism that, you know, you, you just can't build technology. You have to build and deliver outcomes for the business. And that's not really something that we've seen in the past, but the, the CIOs that are, that are getting on to this mindset around how their role is, is so connected to, you know, technology almost becomes the brand at some point. And, you know, there's other implications for that, too, because the minute you start to use technology to drive more of the commerce, more of the brand value, um, the minute you have a problem with the technology the brand can have a problem. And we've seen that, obviously, you know, Facebook's an easy example to look at, some of the big tech, but that's starting to seep into businesses. So I agree with you. I think it's absolutely critical. I think it's a, a real new um, stream that, that the CIO side, and that's where those CIOs are then going to have to go partner because that commerce stack is not theirs. You know, It's them working with their business partners, especially the CMO, to understand it and think about how they're going to create opportunity around it.
1: And to your point about the, the role of CMOs and CIOs in the organization, uh, the fact that they can both deliver growth, and stop being considered as cost center, obviously, uh, is one way to deliver value to other uh, C-level executives and one way for them to uh, level up their game and their influence uh, within the organization.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, one of the big th- uh, trends we've been looking at is the whole concept of moving away from efficiency. You still have to deliver efficiency with technology, but much more of it is the effectiveness side of things. And when you look at effectiveness, one of the reasons that resonates with business leaders is it's all about the outcomes you're delivering. You know, uh, as you're building new solutions, you know, how's it driving revenue? How's it capturing new customers, right? Uh, you know, those are the things as a, as a, technology organization that you want to be a part of. you know you don't want to just be seen as somebody who's a cost center that's you know reducing, increasing the number of transactions that you do with the same amount or with fewer resources. So that effectiveness side of it really aligns well.
0: How are you seeing things like you know the conversation around like the corporate agenda brand values how are you seeing ESG playing a role here in in driving partnership because part of that certainly, is, you know, putting a stake, What does your brand stand for as it relates to social issues, environmental issues, but also you need tech to be able to report and, um, you know, deliver and submit to, you know, agencies that are that are sort of um, capturing this data of what you're doing as a firm. So is that also a, a, a driving force here?
1: Uh, definitely. I I think it is. Uh, Environmental sustainability is is a catalyst for enterprise transformation and it impacts any function. And obviously, you know, uh, the the marketing function as well. I think, especially over here in Europe, there is a a strong pressure from consumers, employees, and also regulators to embrace that that change. And uh, I think marketers are well placed to uh, Consider this less as a compliance issue and more of a of an opportunity because at the end of the day it's about uh, being the conductor of change. What they've always done was internal and external stakeholders. It means working more closely with the R and D and innovation team. It means rethinking the the you know the the positive and negative externalities of the product. It means working more with in partnership with civil society and NGOs. So they. Are a better place to analyze obviously social changes, but at the same time they've they have to work very closely with uh you know uh the technology side of things to leverage you know sort of out of the box sustainable innovation. Leverage disruptive technologies, um, and and I'm sure. I mean, I keep hearing a lot about green IT and IT for green. So I I suspect this is uh, a key a key theme as well uh, on on this collaboration front. Uh, Matt, is it something you're also hearing a lot in the in in the US?
2: Yeah, we are. I think, um, and I think there is a big opportunity for growth. I think the two caveats that I would put out there though would be one would be the economic. Situation, right? You know, so I, you know, at at a point, you need to really assess. Will that slow some of that down? But I, I do see it as it's been a big driver for growth. I, just right now, I've felt a little bit in some of my conversations that people have had to pause. Maybe, and it doesn't mean that they're stepping back, but it just means that with where they are today, they're slowing plans down a little bit. The the other side of that is. Um, you know, ensuring that you use that to drive growth, right? You know, I've seen people do what we call, you know, ethics washing, green washing, things like that, right? And in those cases, it ends up just being talk about what these groups are going to do. The people where I've really seen it are the ones that actually are sitting down and making positive change. So like you were talking about, you know, as I look at, you know, the footprint, of my, uh, technology investments that are out there. Um, you know, how do I think about that and how do I make positive change is key rather than just telling everybody, Oh, we're going to be the greenest, you know, data centers out there. And then they do nothing in the background. So, so those are the two caveats I put on it, but I think absolutely that, you know, to the future, that there will be lots of energy and collaboration in that space as it, as it's a way to, to, to manage and drive growth for the future.
3: So picking up on the kind of economic uh, uncertainty theme and the fact that we're facing some significant headwinds all over the world, uh, I wonder, talking about CIO's contribution to the growth agenda, we may not have much of a growth agenda for the next little while if if things go as poorly as some suspect. So what do you think... That will do to the kind of CIO CMO collaboration because of course the temptation can be to turtle up and you know retrench and focus on cost cutting and efficiency and all the and all of those not so much fun things. So what do you both think is going to happen there if the economic headwinds turn out to be as significant as some folks think they will be?
2: I, you know I, I think most research shows that you know the people that batten down the hatches at times like this don't really win in the long run. I know it's something that a lot of times you feel like your hands are tied, but, uh, you know, like, like Buffett always said, you know, uh, be fearful when people are greedy and be greedy when people are fearful. And so at this point in time, when, you know, a lot of companies are sitting down, yeah, I'm not saying that you've got this huge bucket of money and you can go do things, but, you know, the ability for you to think about now, how do you strategically respond? And this goes back to that adaptive point I was bringing up, Laura. You know, that ability to sit there and say, how can I optimize my people, my capital, my technology to go seize opportunity that as things either now or as things picked up? And so with where we are in this point in time, you know, the pandemic, you know, is in a different state, but where we are economically, what are those opportunities that are out there? And how can you, with a CMO and a CIO, by knowing where the opportunity is and how we can take that technology and repurpose it and get our teams aligned and go seize opportunity and create that value, fantastic. Now, at some point, you may wind that down, but then what's the next thing, the next thing? And that, that's where the real leaders are going to be. And so at this time of economic uncertainty, you know, rather than just, you know, pulling within yourself and, you know, just trying to focus on what I need to do, keep the focus on the customer. Think about how you're reaching out to those other leaders, especially the CIO CMO dynamic, and think about what we can do to create opportunity, create business value, create customer value. Yeah, you
1: couldn't your point, Mike. I think this is a lot about the kind of shared goals and shared metrics that CMOs and CIOs have. And if they have this sort of customer experience North star, and if they shared goals around, you know, uh, Whatever the metric being used could be customer lifetime value, could be you know uh, net promoter score, could be Forrester's own customer experience index. If you've got a shared metric that you use, then it's much easier to uh, optimize resources and allocate resources to stay focused on what matters the most. That's probably the 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 best way to uh, optimize the the approach here, and I think it raises the notion of. Creativity, because at the end of the day, it's at the very heart of the, the marketer's job. And it's really about it's when you have constraints, basically, uh, that you've got to be more creative. Uh, and so the kind of tension that the economic recession could create are going to force uh, people to be more creative, to think differently, to think out of the box. Uh, and so that's somehow also a driver to really sort of empower. Uh, uh, people within the organization to creatively and jointly think about what's the the best way to stay focused on the customer.
3: Picking up on that creativity theme, the I remember, kind of going into the pandemic, one of the concerns we Forrester Macro had was digital sameness, as in we had the result, there was a where a lot of companies doing very similar things because they were using very similar platforms in similar ways. And so there was little differentiation between airlines, for example, in their digital experience. And now coming out of the pandemic, we see that customer experience index scores have mostly stagnated to gotten slightly worse. So all the kind of creativity that we exercised during the pandemic, there was a lot of it. Has that sort of receded? immediately? Or are we still as digitally same as we were? I'm curious what sort of state we're heading into this kind of economically uncertain phase where uh, we should try and be, be greedy in uh, Matt and Mr. Buffett's words before. So where are we and where do we think we can
2: go? Yeah, I'll change that around just a little bit. You know, I think creativity is something that you always need and something you should always aspire to do, you know, arguably the digital sameness argument that you put out there, Laura, um, gets rooted in a lack of creativity, right? You know, where people were just doing, you know, what, you know, they're just doing what they needed to do, or what they felt like they needed to do to create value. The the people that have the most creativity um, are the ones that really Create the biggest amount of value. And so how do you start to think about an era where everyone has access to emerging technology? I can I can get access to all these technologies the same as other companies. I can get access to talent pools. I can get access to capital, a little tougher today than it was maybe a year ago, but still capital. You know, there's still a lot of capital out there. And so I think you need to stay on the creativity train. You know, you need to look at how do you differentiate your business? If you're not able to differentiate your business, you will just be in the big gooey center. The people that lead markets are the ones that are the most creative. And so from a technology side, I'll let Tomas speak to this from the the CMO side, from from the technology CIO side, um, technology does two basic things. It gives you more time. It gives people more knowledge, and the question is, what do you do with that expansion in time and knowledge? And you know, when we went and looked at what was happening in the B two B space, there were lots of tools that were coming out. Where at one point Forrester thought this would reduce the number of B two B salespeople, but in fact, when we looked at it, B two B number of B two B salespeople kept growing. And as we talked to co- uh, clients about that, a big reason for it was. This, these tools gave more time, more knowledge, and then that freed these B two B salespeople to be able to go out and create new products, new experiences, new services. They were selling deeper, they were selling wider into organizations, and so that's the value of technology as we go forward. You know, how do we implement and provide this expansion of knowledge and time that then the organization, the marketing team, the sales team, that can then use to drive greater levels of value. So I think you you have to stay with creativity. I think that's what's going to set you apart. It's going to be then how do you unlock it by using the customer knowledge and using the technology to create new opportunities.
1: Yep. I can't agree more because there is often this misperception that creativity is restricted to a few people within sort of a subset of the marketing team that is dealing with branding or some creative, you know, uh, artistic director in an agency, in an ad agency. And, and it's completely wrong. At the end of the day, I think a lot of the creativity comes from informal relationships and, and willing to, it's a mindset. So it's willing to listen to others. And if you have this sort of uh, you know sort of informal relationships between marketing and i.t then you know some marketers will get exposed to new technologies they were not aware of will think of new use cases and vice versa this is really this sort of cross-pollinization that that makes people more creative and that's also one way to foster collaboration so uh yeah definitely agree with this
3: So, Taman, listening to you, I'm reminded of an age-old problem between CIOs and CMOs, being the CMOs using their agencies to do a whole load of things fast to innovate, and that being a point of friction between the CIO's technology organization and the folks from the agency who are moving fast and breaking stuff uh, off in the shadow IT category. So has that gotten any better, or is that about the same? And uh, if it's about the same, will it get better ever?
1: Uh, well, I'd say things I've improved, but not dramatically on that front, uh, it's really depends on how you, whether you want to scale these kind of initiatives or not. Um, so, uh, I, I think that the, 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 one way to improve collaboration is, is really by starting to define a shared business agenda and to share goals. That's really, uh, I, I think what's the, the driving force between a great collaboration. Uh and and of course it's also about formal governance and informal relationships as I touched on earlier. Uh that would be my my take to really think about a, a better way to collaborate. But uh what what what's your, your your concluding point, Matt, here?
2: Yeah, mine is uh just start. Um, you know, I, I think there's always a natural hesitancy here. Um A lot of times you have your strategy, you have your plan, and you you get heads down in it, and you have your teams focused and things like that. But you you need to really get this customer-centric view going. Um, We have clear data that shows the value of customer obsession, but we also have clear data that show that those technology uh, organizations that are the most customer centric are the most mature and the ones that deliver the highest performance. And so that that ability that, you know, if you if you don't have that, build those relationships, figure out how you bring the business more into what you're doing, figure out how you learn more about that customer. You really need to start to get yourself much more embedded into the business. And, uh, you know, now's a good time. You know, we talked about it, but this uncertainty, um, you need to do things a little bit different. You need to be adaptive. You need to be creative. And and it's not just going to come from your, your part of the world. It comes from your business and the way that you serve customers.
0: Great. Well, thank you both for joining us today.
2: Excellent. Thank you both for having us.
0: If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for
1: listening.